told him this many times, as often as she told him the story of how his good fortune came about. While she was sweeping the corridor in the mathematics department a week ago, she heard Master say that he needed a houseboy to do his cleaning, and she immediately said she could help, speaking before his typist or office messenger could offer to bring someone. I will land fast, Auntie, Ugu said. He was staring at the car in the garage. A strip of metal ran around its blue body like a necklace. Remember what you will answer whenever he calls you is yes, sir. Yes, sir, Ugu repeated. They were standing before the glass door. Ugu held back from reaching out to touch the cement wall to see how different it would feel from the mud walls of his mother's hut that still bore the faint patterns of molding fingers. For a brief moment, he wished he were back there now, in his mother's hut, under the dim coolness of the thatch roof, or in his auntie's hut, the only one in the village with a corrugated iron roof. His auntie tapped on the glass, Ugu could see the white curtains behind the door. A voice said in English, Yes, come in. They took off their slippers before walking in. Ugu had never seen a room so wide. Despite the brown sofas arranged in a semicircle, the side tables between them, the shelves crammed with books, and the center table with a vase of red and white plastic flowers, the room still seemed to have too much space. Master sat in an armchair, wearing a singlet and a pair of shorts. He was not sitting upright, but slanted, a book covering his face, as though oblivious that he had just asked people in. Good afternoon, sir. This is the child, Ugu's auntie said. Master looked up. His complexion was very dark, like old bark and the hair that covered his chest and legs was a lustrous, darker shade. He pulled off his glasses. The child? The houseboy, sir. Oh, yes, you have brought the houseboy. Igbo Tagoya. Master's Igbo felt feathery in Ugu's ears. It was Igbo colored by the sliding sounds of English, the Igbo of one who spoke English often. He will work hard his auntie said. He's a very good boy. Just tell him what he should do. Thanks, sir. Master grunted in response, watching Ugu and his auntie with a faintly distracted expression, as if their presence made it difficult for him to remember something important. Ugu's auntie patted Ugu's shoulder, whispered that he should do well, and turned to the door. After she left, Master put his glasses back on and faced his book, relaxing further into a slanting position, legs stretched out. Even when he turned the pages, he did so with his eyes on the book. Ugu stood by the door, waiting. Sunlight streamed in through the windows, and from time to time, a gentle breeze lifted the curtains. The room was silent except for the rustle of Master's page turning. Ugu stood for a while before he began to edge closer and closer to the bookshelf, as though to hide in it, and then, after a while, he sank down to the floor, cradling his raffia bag between his knees.
He looked up at the ceiling, so high up, so piercingly white. He closed his eyes and tried to reimagine this spacious room with the alien furniture, but he couldn't. He opened his eyes, overcome by a new wonder, and looked around to make sure it was all real. To think that he would sit on these sofas, polish this slippery smooth floor, wash these gauzy curtains. Kiduafangi, what's your name? Master asked, startling him. Ogu stood up. What's your name? Master asked again and sat up straight. He filled the armchair, his thick hair that stood high on his head, his muscled arms, his broad shoulders. Ugu had imagined an older man, somebody frail, and now he felt a sudden fear that he might not please.